0: Hi, this is Victor Gonzalez, your host, and welcome to the Ivory Tower. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Today we have with us Mr. Kevin Kilpatrick, District Coordinator. How are you, Kevin? Uh, Good, thank you. Good, good, good. Good. So, Kevin, tell us, uh, what department do you work in? Um, I work in the Division of Instruction under a group of advanced learning options, and under that is gifted and talented programs. And what do you do in the gifted and talented programs? Uh, Wear many hats. Um, I do focus on local district South schools,
1: but I also um, have specific jobs that I help for the entire district. I am the tech support for most schools in MISIS and principal portal issues that deal with gifted and talented. and a lot of the tech support for communications and uh, online learning and PDs and that kind of thing for our entire department.
0: That sounds like a a variety of different uh, projects you're involved in. Yeah, I'm never bored. (laughs) (laughs) And is that support in, in general or is it specific to gifted and Talented, what they call you? Um, mostly
1: gifted and talented. I mean, sometimes they'll pick up things that, that lead into what we're doing, like uh, uh, unified enrollment with magnet and dual language and those things. But for the most part, we stick to our lane with gifted and talented programs and schools for advanced studies and that, that sort of
0: thing. Got it. Got it. Got it. How, how long have you been doing this now? I've been with this department um, almost four years.
1: And before that, I was with the uh, student integration and in magnet for three years. So I guess in this kind of work, uh, almost seven
0: years. Okay. Seven, to eight. It all, what, it all starts to blend together after a while. <laughs> what did you do before you came to Beaudry?
1: I was a high school assistant principal, and and at several schools. Um, My last school was Southeast High School. I was at Bell High School for a a long period of time, and Southgate High School for a short period of time. Um, I also was an AP for a year at Gardena High School and at Muir Middle School. And I did one thing that was a little different. I took an opportunity transfer from the district and became a high school assistant principal in Colorado at my alma mater in Durango, Colorado. So I got to be the assistant principal at the high school I graduated from. And the district was nice enough to let me try that out for two years. And and if I didn't like it, they said, okay, you you get two years, try it out. If you like it, stay. If you don't, you have to come back. So I came back and was able to keep my seniority and everything. That's great. So they don't offer that anymore, but it was
0: nice. It it was nice when they did offer that. And did you do it just because you wanted to try it out or what was the impetus behind it? Um, I was a new father.
1: I was really concerned about where my raised my daughter. Um, I hadn't seen my family. Um, I always thought I would go back to Colorado. And so I wanted to try it out and, uh, for a lot of reasons, it was a great thing to do, and for a lot of important reasons, we had to come back. So, as my as my wife works for the district as well, you know things. It just worked out. It was better to
0: come come back. And uh, approximately, when did, how long ago was that when you tried out Colorado? um
1: I worked I go with the graduating classes I worked with, so it was the graduating classes of '6 uh, and '07 right. in Colorado All right. and
0: what what was the impetus for you uh, leaving the AP position uh, that you had last and coming to Bowdry <laughs> Um, that was kind of a spur
1: of the moment thing. I'd been recently uh, enjoyed my time at Bell High School and was doing a very good job. I have lots of good friends at Bell and and continue to have those those contacts. And you know, sometimes the district thinks in, in its wisdom it needs to just move you for whatever reason. They got to move you, and I got moved to another high school. And I was like, well, this is not the same, and and maybe I need to try something different. So. Uh, saw a position that I liked and I always thought, you know, I want to go down there and and work at one of those Baudry jobs (laughs) and see what it's like and applied. And by the time I, you know, I started, got used to things at Southeast and was kind of liking it and getting, you know, getting contacts there and and learning how to, to get along there. And lo and behold, they come back and said, months later, said, oh, let's interview. And so I interviewed and they offered me the job and I thought, do I take it? Do I not? And I said, okay, I'll take it. So I, in the mid year, I left up to uh, Baudry to work for the office of data and accountability, which technically was the magnet. It was a magnet position, but it was in that
0: office. (coughs) What was the, uh, if you can remember what was the your biggest surprise in coming to work at Bowdry from a school site Um, well after I kept reaching on my hip for a radio I never found it that was the first thing (laughs) and
1: and the pace of things at at a high school and a school site you're always putting out fires and and running around and it's like you know if you could get around to the paperwork it's usually at the end of the day when nobody else is there and and the rest of the time you're running and watching kids and supervising and and, in classrooms and, and transfers and all all these different things that you're doing. And at Beaudry, the pace was slowed down. <laughs> but you had time to get your work done, but it's a lot of work. And and they needed you there from eight till five, and you took your hour lunch, and that was just, you know. And if you don't take it, that's on you, too bad. But the pace was slower, um, and I had to work on moving around a lot in Beaudry. I had to get myself to to not just sit in that chair in that cubicle for hours and hours. Trying to you know <clears throat> exercise that was that was a big thing. I used used to walking around and getting ten thousand steps in just because at a high school and and it's work
0: to get ten thousand steps. Yeah, about you. Yes. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, what did you do before you became a, an assistant principal? <laughs>
1: I started in the district
0: uh, as a district intern. And
1: and I wanted to come in and teach uh, secondary high school. And my degree did not lend itself to that. They ended up putting me in the elementary program. And I went into the elementary bilingual three-year program. So I got two credentials. I got a multi-subject K-8 and a... uh, cross-cultural bilingual credential K-12, so I could teach ESL at any grade level. Mm. And started as an elementary teacher, uh, third grade, and then first grade for three years. And I was surprised how much I, how well I did at it, and I, I liked it. But I still wanted to do some secondary stuff. And uh, the year that they moved the sixth grade up to the middle schools, and I was at an elementary school in San Pedro as a first grade teacher, I chose to be the teacher to go up to the middle school. So I was I volunteered to move up as they did that transition from um, junior highs to middle school. And when I got there, they saw what my my degree was, and they put me to work right away as a bilingual coordinator part time out of the classroom and an ESL teacher. So I did middle school for three years and um, ended up doing lots of technology and getting very involved with that at the school. And I have a side passion of being a fanatic for soccer and football Mm -hmm. and sort of created a a little middle school team at Dana Middle School. And we competed against Dotson Middle School and some schools in Palos Verdes and in Torrance and different areas and and enjoyed it so much that I caught the eye of a high school assistant principal at San Pedro. And they said, hey, we need a high school varsity soccer coach wow so they pulled me up to teach technology at San Pedro High and be the head varsity soccer coach and I it was a, it was a job of passion and love I enjoyed it very much and, and did that for five years and even continued on to be a assistant coach for the men's team at Harvard College and then the head coach for the women's team at Harvard College for a couple of years as well
0: wow <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah.
1: So, uh, and I would have stayed with it, but I became a father. And my wife said, that's it for coaching. You, you're a father now. Um, there's not enough time for you to be a father and a head coach at all these different places. So I said, okay. And then I put my administrative credential to work. And, and I got a job as an administrator right after my daughter was born and went to work as an administrator at a middle school. And my wife said, you should have stayed coaching. You were home more than when you <laughs> what you were be." administrator.
0: That's what you asked for, right? Yeah. <laughs> Careful what you ask for. So, uh, a couple questions uh, in there. Then, what what is your degree in? Because you mentioned that you couldn't, uh, you couldn't do initially what your plan was. Well, for secondary at the time, or district
1: interns, you either had to have a math degree or a science degree. Okay. And I had a degree in, in, in political science and Latin American history. So mm. social studies, there's not a need for social studies teacher. social studies teachers are a dime a dozen. It's hard to get a good job at a high school as a social studies teacher. But if you're a math or science teacher, that you, they're just begging for them. So if I got a degree in math, I could have gotten into the secondary. So that's why I went with the bilingual elementary. District intern program. But I did go on to get the K 12 uh, for ESL, so that let me
0: do uh, um, classes in middle school and high school. Got it. So, and when you describe your earlier career path there, uh, you do then have all the bases covered in terms of elementary, middle, and high school then? Yeah, I've taught at all grade levels.
1: I've even um, substituted at adult schools. I uh, did the Bandini Center Adult School for uh, teaching technology to adults at ESL. And I've been in some pre-K classes as a substitute. And I've also, you know, as I said before, I was a, a teacher for two years at a junior college as well. So the district can slot you in anywhere? Yeah, I think I, I could handle most everything. I think an early ed principal may be a little difficult for me. <laughs> I, I, I could pull it off if I had to. I, I, I feel for them. They do a great job, and uh, they, that's, that's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: those a little, a tiny little kids. Yes. It's uh, something you mentioned about your, your soccer experience uh, coaching uh, middle school and then high school. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you weren't a full, were you, let me ask, were you a full-time soccer coach at high school? No, I taught four periods a day of technology,
1: uh, intro to technology, mostly to freshman students, and uh, one period of P.E., which was soccer P.E., <laughs> <laughs> so I had one period that I taught as the as the soccer coach. Okay, and I was I was the
0: chair of the technology department. <laughs> so uh, so in addition to your poli sci education, your elementary teaching, your okay. soccer. Ex- uh, coaching experience. You're also uh, a bit of a technology geek. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, that came out of necessity. Um, I always had a hard time in college uh, spelling. I have some dyslexia in my background, and um, computers are great because you could write your papers and they would spell check for you. Mm-hmm. So I found out how easier I would have never gotten through college without word processing and learning how to do those things. And, and this got involved and enjoyed it. I was actually worked at, at the, uh, Dana Middle School with the coordinator there who was a great gentleman, John Lenhart. And uh, we were I hated bubbling those grade sheets back in as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And we worked on a program that we we got a, our first online grade book program. And we wrote the code to upload and download it into SIS. So I didn't have to bubble ever again. <laughs> and, and that's how I got started in the technology stuff. It's just out of trying to fix something to do something different. So,
0: and and, and um, SIS. Yes. love go ahead well and SIS this is long before that that we were using mice or anything yeah yeah so SIS back in the day was an old for those of you who may not know uh, it was an old DOS based program wasn't it yeah it was written in cobalt and it was very old it was 80s language yeah eighties computer language and and so the program that uh, you and John developed uh, worked with that system to, kind of to yeah so we we sent out a text file of RLR grades and it would read it
1: and upload it into on a floppy disk and upload it into the SAS system in the school so we wouldn't have to fill out those bubble sheets to get scanned in <laughs> pretty good <laughs>
0: I mean, now everybody does it. Now everybody does it. Yes. Well, uh, millions of dollars later with a new information system. And yes. Yeah. When you describe your coaching experience, uh, it, it came out of a, a love for soccer, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. but I also know that uh, that also was a bit of a harbinger of other things because I know that you're involved in a variety of other things, uh, collected professionally, uh, but uh, professional organizations like uh Associate Administrators of uh, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Like, can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, When I became an administrator,
1: I always wanted to be involved with the organizations and um, when I first got as an AP and being a former coach, I got involved with uh, and one of the jobs at that time was to be natives on the IAC, which was it used to be under our own. Um, so I served on that IAC committee for a couple years as an administrator voice over athletics in the district and and when I got into that, they said, oh, automatically, since you're on the IAC board and a member of SHAPO, you need to be in the repre- representative assembly at ALA. So I started going to the ALA meetings and finding out what was going on. And and I thought, oh, I could I could run for one of these offices. So I ran for director my very first year and lost the election big time. I lost to Scott Smurlson. <laughs> he, he was a director I, I ran against. And and he laughed at me and said, "Good try, you know. Try again next year." So the next year, I said, "Okay, I'll try it again," and actually won the job as director. And I was director for three years, uh, representing secondary on the executive board. And when I left to go downtown, I lost that position. And then the following year, I ran for director for school support at that time, supervisory, and I have been on the board ever since then. And so I think I have the longest tenure of anybody in executive board. I'm over a decade as a member of the executive board.
0: In uh, one uh, seat or another, right? Yeah, one seat or another. And then because of you, I ended up on the AXA board
1: for one year, too. It's a vice president of programming, which was very enlightening and a learning
0: experience. Uh, AXA is the Associate of California School Administrators, and uh, you served for uh, Region 16, which is the la region, right? Correct. Uh, And... uh, when you say enlightening, uh, what can you say when you, when you say that? Would you use that phrase? Oh, I just learned a lot more about the bigger picture of, of what uh, administrators
1: doing all over the state. I went to legislative action day. I went to AXA trainings for technology and met people from all different districts and find out what they're doing and and seeing what AXA, is, AXA has a lot to do with how they're lobbying our our state government and the, and how we get funded and it's yeah you learn a lot more than what's just in your classroom in a school site. There's a lot of things happening all around behind us. Yeah.
0: That's absolutely correct. That's true. Uh, I also, uh, I know that you're also involved in the organization of management administrators, OMA. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's kind of like the shape-o
1: of, but for non-school site administrators or senior high principals organization or middle school principals organization, but it's our organization with the district. Um, it kind of fell behind the times, depending on the superintendent at the time, how important that organization was dependent on them, uh, actually worked in helping rewrite the Constitution and getting that a little more active than it was in the past. And it has stuck for a little while now. It's been a few years and we're, we're still organizing and, and getting a little more uh, communication um, from the district to us and us to the district. So I think um, putting that, that time in early and rewriting that, constitution has helped carry the organization. I still support them in, in small ways. I'm on the board as a past president, but and the funny thing is it's only supposed to be a one year presidency job. Mm-hmm. And I was a president elect and two months in the president left for another job. So I became the president uh, seven months early and then continued on for my year. And then the president elect behind me moved from his job. So I ended up being the president for two and a half years. for OMA. <laughs> I was only supposed to do it for one. But
0: so I think I did my time for Oma you did and maybe that's part of the reason it's uh, it's stuck this time because uh, uh we've had uh we've been doing pretty good yeah we we've, we've changed uh presidents four
1: times correctly now in a row and it seems to be working yeah. so that's good <laughs>
0: When you uh, when you think about uh, non-school site administrators, uh, their uh, issues or desires or uh, uh, things that they have to deal with, uh, with either your Allah hat or your Oma hat, uh, what do you think the the most uh, pressing issue is for non-school site administrators currently? Currently, well, um, the
1: one number one thing that comes up for me right now is the seniority issue. And if you don't know what seniority is, even as a teacher or as a secretary or as a custodian, any of our unions, you have a higher date, and they also have a seniority date. Um, your seniority date, as as a teacher, starts after your probation years. You you get a seniority date, and when you go to layoffs, if you were in, with us in the recession, that seniority date became very important. on whether you were gonna stay or get pushed out or uh, as the case may be, administrators at school sites also have seniority dates in their position, like as assistant principal, secondary, I was, I have a seniority date set because I had a certain amount of years in as an assistant principal. And same goes for principals and in secondary and elementary. Uh, it's also done with every union, uh, SEIU, uh, the, all those different unions, everybody has a seniority date except for school support administrators. School support administrators, even in, in HR, were just called temporary advisors, which was very interesting because some of those temporary advisors would stay in their positions for 20 years. <laughs> that doesn't sound very temporary, and but would not gain any type of seniority. And they would spend 10, 15 years as an administrator, and then their, say their position wasn't funded anymore. They had no rights to go back as an assistant principal or principal if they never worked in those jobs. So all they can do is go back to be their teacher, which is their last seniority day. And I think uh, sometimes a district has done a disservice to people in that situation. So there's got to be some sort of way to uh, recognize that school support administrators who do that work centrally to support the school sites um, aren't just thrown to the side when a budget doesn't work. There's got to be some sort of way to protect us in and, and that. And I'm not sure how that goes. We've been working with the district to find a different way. Um, at least we, we're no longer temporary advisors. Now they're even listed as school support administrators. And they do have to do a lot of things in writing now before they let us go, <laughs> but they can still let us go. And, and that's something that needs to be fixed. And that's something I'm working very hard on when we next go into
0: negotiations. So the the new name, uh, school support administrators. uh, How how would you? And you are school support administrator. How do you? How would you describe how you support schools? Um, I try to look.
1: Well, I. You know, before I ever got an education, I used to work as a salesman and in customer service. And I think that's a lot of times the schools are our clients and we're the customer. And, um, it's funny how principals call me for help and they go, I hate to bug you. And I'm like, no, this is what I do, I help you. <laughs> That's my job. You're not bugging me to do my own job. So I said, anything you need, I'm here to help you and make sure that they are our clients and we help them do their job. And the, the more we can help them do their job, the better they can service our students. And if you know if they're out trying to figure things out, it's not good, it's better for us to help them get through the red tape so they can do the actual job. And after being a school site administrator for eight years, I know at big schools, too, year-round big schools, I understand what it takes to be a school site administrator and and the pressures and the things they have to deal with. So my job is trying to take a little bit of that red tape pressure off from downtown. And... And I really, you know, want to make sure that they know I'm there to support them. And sometimes it's cutting up that red tape and taking the heat from my boss downtown, I said, No, you know what? I'll take the heat. You can get mad at me. But I was supporting that principal so he could do his job. And and I don't you know I'm not there to slap them on the hand or tell them you're not following you know policy. My job is, hey, this is what this district wants to do with policy and this is why they want to do it. How can I help you get this done so you can not have to deal with it? Right. So I try to support the schools and look at them as as, as our customers.
0: So that makes me think uh, when you think about the general public. Mm-hmm. out there not necessarily uh, people in the education industry when you think mm-hmm. about the general public w- what do you think it is that they don't know about the role of school site administrators why are they important school su- school support administrators Oh, school support administrators.
1: Yeah, I do deal a lot with um, parents in my job. I do also do customer support for parents and unified enrollment. And I think... Um, <laughs> We're considered bureaucracy where, you know, even as your podcast is called the ivory tower, we're this big monolith. I've heard some people call it the Death Star and, and different things. Um, sometimes we're a necessary evil, but sometimes we need to be there to to make things work. Um, I had a lot of people say we should just get rid of all of Beaudry we don't need it, they're just a bunch of people collecting checks and I said okay, you get rid of all of Beaudry who's going to send you your check? there's people there to make sure that you get paid and that the schools get supplies and the kids get fed and, and buses have gas and all those things that have to happen and that we're reading the ed code and, and we're reporting all of our grades and we're getting all of our uh, different things that are, are happening behind the scenes done and those things need to be done. Now, how efficiently we do that Sometimes could be questioned, but having it has to be done. And when you look at work in a smaller district like I did in Colorado, um, it's amazing how much and how efficient we are with what we do, and how we get to do things compared to smaller districts. I know in Colorado they even they have what they call boces, which is like a conglomerate of districts hire somebody just to do all the things that our office does for our district. Mm -hmm. You know, they they hire special support services for special ed and and psychologists and all those things that we do because we have it. They have to just contract it out, and they try to join together with multiple districts just so they can afford it. So those things have to be done, even um, in small districts and big districts. It's just how it's done. And when you see it all in big, one big building, you kind of go and like, "Boy, that's a lot of money being spent on just those guys downtown. We're a huge district, the second largest district in the world. Um, explaining this
0: to people in Colorado, I said, we had more students in our district than the entire state of Colorado. Huh. How many students were in that uh, district you worked in in Colorado? Do you remember? Total students? Yeah. Um, 4,500. 4,500 students in uh, the district. Entire district. Seven elementary schools, two middle schools, one high school. And, uh, how many schools do you, uh, think you interact with on average? How many schools do you service?
1: Um,
0: I work with local district South. And if
1: those are all my schools and I have to, you know, make sure the gate programs and, are going on in all those schools? It's over 180. Over 108 schools. Um, 108 eight zero.
0: 180. 180. local districts and local districts south alone. Right. That's a uh, that's a lot more schools and students. I presume to go with them, right? Yeah, there's um, almost 100. Well, depends on
1: when we look at it. But you no, know, 90 to 100 thousand students in the local district. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Sounds like a ton of work for one guy. Yeah, but that's what computers are for. Got <laughs> lots of data, big Excel sheets.
1: Yeah, we can, we can figure it out. <laughs> uh,
0: well, um, I, I just, and I don't want to necessarily walk away because these are the things uh, I personally know about you, Kevin, in terms of the soccer and the OMA and the ALA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you have other outside organizations that uh, you work with or particular interests that you're passionate about? Um, I am the secretary of my bowling league. I like to bowl on Wednesdays, but
1: (laughs) since, since COVID-19, we haven't bowled. So now my buddies and I, we play golf once a week. To make a up for our bowling time. And that seems to be a safe thing to do during this pandemic. That it's a safe a safer uh, activity and gets me outside and walking. Um, and when I got into education, I got, you know, I didn't ever want to be a teacher, but I got into it because I was a member of the professional ski instructors of America and I was a ski instructor for almost four years. And that's how I got into teaching and thought I it was good at it and liked it. So that's what brought me there. So I still, I'm not an avid skier like I used to be, but I did ski a lot. Even when I first moved here to LA, I was a ski instructor on the
0: weekends at Mount High in the up in Wrightwood. Right. That was Kevin Kilpatrick, District Coordinator and Gift and Talented Programs. Thanks again, Kevin. Appreciate you spending your time with us. All right, no problem. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Ivory Tower. Remember to check back periodically for new episodes or just hit subscribe. Thanks a lot. Bye.